3: Do you ever feel a little bit like something that you're not? I'm kind of feeling like that right now. You know what I feel like? I feel like a politician. And that's because I'm always asking you guys to vote for me or for something that I do in some kind of competition. This is so bizarre for me. I never joined any kind of competition as a kid. But now, because veganism is such a deal and because Main Street Vegan is something that a lot of people like, I feel like there are all these nominations. So we just finished the Veg News Awards for which this podcast was nominated. I don't know yet who won. I'll let you know when I know, or maybe you'll know before me. And now, my book, Main Street Vegan, Everything You Need to Know to Eat Healthfully and Live Compassionately in the Real World, is nominated in the book category of the 2017 Best of Vegan Awards, sponsored by the rather dazzling online shopping emporium, Unicorn Goods. So, if Main Street Vegan was influential in your life and you would like to vote for it and some of your other favorite products we've got um la fashionista compassionista the lovely online fashion magazine put together by adrian borgerson and being vegan academy graduate they're nominated as well so you can vote for us and all kinds of people at unicorngoods.com slash vote and i promise you i won't go into politics. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Main Street Vegan Show. After the first break, we will be bringing back for the second time by very popular demand the legendary pro wrestler and vegan Austin Aries. That is going to be so much fun. And right now, it is my absolute honor... be introducing you to someone else you have so enjoyed when he's been on the program, and that is Dr. Robert Ostfeld. You know Dr. Ostfeld? He's a cardiologist and director of preventive cardiology. Uh, founder and director of the Cardiac Wellness Program at Montefiore Medical Center in Bronx, New York. He's also an associate professor of medicine at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine, and he is here today with Laura Rucco, who is uh, on staff with him at Montefiore because they have something very cool and exciting coming up. So welcome, Laura and Dr. Ostfeld.
4: Oh well, thank you so much uh, for having us, Victoria. It's a, it's always an honor to uh, be able to connect with you. Um, and uh, Laura had to step away for a moment, so I'll be on the on the on the radio show now.
3: Um, I'll bet you can handle it. So well, tell us, <laughs> yes. So for so many people listening who are thinking, if only I could find a doctor who knew the power of plants. How did this happen for you, and what have you brought to Montefiore that we're just hoping is going to be cloned all over the states and the world?
4: Well, thank you so much. And, you know, I went into medicine because I wanted to help people get better. And, and, you know, that's a common theme for so many of my colleagues and a common theme in lots of of lines of work, lots of types of, of fields. And so I started practicing medicine, doing all the things I was trained to do over years and years, you know, medications and procedures and maybe a Mediterranean-style diet and stuff that, you know, can be very important for patients. And people got a little bit better, but not a heck of a lot better. And I was really getting disillusioned. Like, I didn't go into medicine to get people just a teeny bit better. I wanted real transformational change. And the inevitable march toward more and more disease just kept on going. And so it was right around that time that I learned about the impact of a plant-based diet. And, you know, outside of a medical emergency, like someone gets shot and has to be put back together again, I've never seen anything come close to the breadth and depth of benefits that a plant-based diet provides. And so one thing led to another, and we started our cardiac wellness program here at Montefiore with the goal of preventing and reversing disease with a plant-based diet. And it's just been amazing the kinds of patient turnarounds we've seen. The thing, I mean, and I'm sure your audience members and yourself are very familiar with these—you know, people losing lots of weight, being able to avoid various heart procedures, coming off multiple medications, reversing their diabetes, curing their high blood pressure. It's just really been an honor to be able to sort of watch people do this—you know, take take the reins of control of their own health. It's, it's really been such a privilege, and one aspect of our program that I'm I'm very excited about is our inpatient program that's a little over a year old now, and Montefiore now offers plant-based meals for inpatients, so if someone gets admitted to the hospital, we can order plant-based meals for them, uh, which is phenomenal, and we also have the documentary film Forks Over Knives playing on our inpatient (laughs) TVs, so I can now walk in a patient's room, tell about the plants order plant-based meals, and put on forks over knives, uh, and it's just its just terrific. Uh, and that,
3: that is terrific. And why aren't there more of these programs all over everywhere? Why is yours so unusual?
4: Well, it is a disappointment that we're unusual. It shouldn't be that way. But the good news is that things are changing, and we've had multiple other medical systems hear about what we're doing, and... They have said that they're interested in bringing it there. Uh, one that one big hospital in New York City uh, came up and visited with us. Uh, they met with our food services team and they're in the process of bringing it there. There's another big medical center in New Brunswick, New Jersey that's going to be coming up in the next month to meet with us in part about this program so they can you know, hopefully bring it there as well. And I've, I've heard that there are pockets of these kinds of changes throughout uh, the U.S. So. It's unfortunately the exception now, but I feel like hopefully we will be a dime a dozen in just a few more
3: years. (laughs) That is something to hope for. You know, it's so interesting, Dr. Osfeld, how on the one hand you can get the whole big corporate entity to say, okay, we're going to – be the umbrella for this. Do it. See what happens. And yet, the individual physicians, I think, are just like our individual relatives. I was in the elevator there at Montefiore, and a, a doctor was in the elevator with me. A nurse walked in, and she had a bunch of bagels. And the doctor looked over it at her, you know, box of bagels, and said, Mm, cream cheese." And she says, "No butter." And he said, "Ooh, just as good." And I couldn't help myself. I said, "Not to Dr. Osfeld." <laughs>
4: Yeah, you know, um, exactly right. There's every shape and stripe and size and belief and everything here. You know, Montefiore a huge system, employs over 40,000 people. Uh, so um, it's, it's a microcosm of the world, if you will. But it's been great to watch things evolve here. And the conversation has shifted. I mean, now Montefiore in the, in the cafeterias, now they offer plant-based meals every day, but by the the end of this calendar year the end of 2017 they're going to be going meatless mondays um, whoa has, yeah they're doing it now i think like uh two or three mondays a month and on uh, by the end of this calendar year it'll be every monday and that actually has been so helpful because for the whole conversation because you know um when the first day they did it some people, many people loved it, but some people were like, oh my God, you know, where am I going to get my protein? How? Who are you to tell me how to eat? And then various kinds of hurdles that are probably quite typical came up. And so there were lots of conversations, but now, you know, fast forward a few months, oh, it's just Meatless Mondays. It's like, Like nothing happened. It's like just par for the course. So it's now accepted. And people realize that, you know, they're not going to faint from lack of nutrition or something by by eating this way. So it's really uh, been a a very helpful and wonderful uh, transition to just get even more and more people on board.
3: So I know that at uh, the Cleveland Clinic, Dr. Esselstyn was called by some of his colleagues, maybe behind his back, Dr. Sprout. What's your relationship with your colleagues?
4: Well, I mean, to my face, they're all very like friendly about it, and although not all of them are on the same page, um bummed about, but they're not all on the same page. Many are um very very supportive of it or, you know, supportive of it. And I think the majority feel like You know it's it's definitely a good thing and they see changes happening um and i've noticed that more and more people are falling into that bucket if you will so honestly my relationship with my colleagues has been great and you know there's some that you know there's a handful of paleo people and things like that and so they're not not everybody sees eye to eye uh with me but i think in time more and more people will come over i mean we've had the chance to do research with people in different divisions, different departments, and I work with people in different divisions and departments, like endocrinologists and gastroenterologists, and even cardiac surgeons. Like I did a research project with a cardiothoracic surgeon um, about a plant-based diet. So that that was just really a wonderful collaboration. So I think the I think the needle is shifting.
3: Oh, it's terrific, and you're so positive. I mean, I I feel that even if. I was a paleo person, I would still want to listen to you. And that says a lot. So you have something coming up in October that is going to be a great way to get physicians and lay people, uh, people from New York City, people who come into New York City for this event to really get fired up and very educated in a day. And that is um, what you're going to tell us about now.
4: Yes. Thank you so much. There's one arm of our program is educational as well. I get to speak to residents, fellows, other physicians, the general public, all about plant-based nutrition. And then we thought, well, wouldn't it be terrific to put on a preventive cardiology conference at Montefiore that is very plant-focused? So that's what we did. So on October 27th, of this year, Friday, October 27th, will be our inaugural Montefiore Preventive Cardiology Conference that is open to the general public and physicians, and uh, RDs and nurses and physicians will be able to get continuing education credits, RDs will be able to get continuing education credits, and I've been assured that nurses will as well. It'll be up to six credits. It's a one-day conference, and it's just going to be, in, in well, my opinion, I think phenomenal. Um, Neil, Dr. Neil Barnard uh, will be speaking about diabetes. Dr. Esselstyn uh, will be giving, of course, his, discussing his amazing work on the nutritional reversal of coronary artery disease, fact or fiction. Dr. Kim Williams, the past president of the American College of Cardiology, will be speaking about his approach and his thoughts on a plant based diet. I'm very excited that our keynote speaker, um, Dr. Paul ritger uh, he's uh, the Eugene Bronwald Professor of Medicine and a cardiologist up at Brigham and Women's Hospital in uh, Boston. He's going to be talking about beyond LDL cholesterol, does inflammation matter? And he just had a couple of very, very important studies published in the New England Journal of Medicine and Lancet, two leading, cardio- two leading medical journals all about inflammation and uh, And disease. So, this, and it may, to my knowledge, this will be the first time that it will be presented in an academic uh, conference stateside. It was just uh, presented for the first time in the European Society of Cardiology meeting uh, like a couple weeks ago. So, this I think will be terrific. Um, It starts around 8 in the morning and it goes uh, until. About 4:15, 4:30. In addition to those speakers, we're going to be having a panel discussion with Dr. Michelle Mcmacken um, from NYU. She'll be on the panel, and I'm sure your listeners know she's amazing. Uh, and actually, we have a surprise guest, Dr. Joel Kahn. Uh, Woo! He's going to be coming as well, and he'll be on the panel. So I'm really excited about that. He's the, the plant-based cardiologist in Detroit doing just. Yeah incredible
3: stuff. Oh, he's amazing, and, and I, I love his approach because he sees, you know, some little extra stuff that I think some of our doctors are so focused on, on getting people well that they, they haven't, you know, taken the time to look at some of these auxiliary things, and he's so great with that.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think he's going to round it out so well, um, so I'm really, really pumped uh, about uh, this conference. And one other thing I'll share is, you know, we, this, um, this is a, a, a personal thing. We, um, Dr. Esselstyn is going to be uh, giving the uh, very first uh, Daniel and Michael Ostfeld Memorial Lecture in Preventive Cardiology. We oh. started uh, this lecture series in, in, in honor of uh, my brothers who passed when I was a kid. My family and I started it. And uh, so he'll be giving the, ver- the inaugural one, um, during his talk, so really, very honored about that, and really couldn't think of a better person to to give that talk. Um, so, we we as a system are very excited about it. Over 150 people have already signed up, uh, which is just terrific. And if people are interested in coming, which would be phenomenal, there are a couple of ways that they can sign up. Uh, there's uh, online. You can go to www.mecme.org. That's Emma's and Mary, E as an elephant, C is and Charlie, M as and Mary, E as an elephant dot org. And if you that's going to be like a bunch of Montefiore conferences. And if you just scroll down to October twenty seventh, the conference will be online and the registration information will be online. Also they could call seven one eight nine two zero six six seven four and ask to come to our preventive cardiology conference on October twenty seventh and they can walk you through it. So I would it's open for the general public, for physicians, um, and what I'm hoping is there'll be people interested in plant-based nutrition or people already on the on that path and people who are just open to the path so we can really intermingle the world.
3: Um, I and- love it. Oh, now see, I said I felt like a politician, and that is what all the politicians ought to be saying. Let us intermingle the world. Love it. And- well, thank you. Well, I will be there, and I'm going to be a lot brighter at 8 in the morning than at 4.30 in the afternoon because it's the day after I come back from London for the VegFest UK, but I made sure to get back in time because I don't want to miss this. I don't know when people could be in the room with this many amazing plant-based doctors all in one day. It's really quite stunning.
4: Well, thank you, and it's. I'm just so... Grateful and honored that you know uh, these speakers agreed to come, and it, I mean, I'm so I like I, I sort of made it in a way of, like what is a conference that I would love to go to, and this is it. So we were yeah, I can able tell able to uh, to make it to make it happen, and and one thing I'm super excited about Dr. Ritker is I mean he's just a tremendous researcher. Like a world class epidemiologist, clinical researcher. And, um, you know, he's hopefully going to draw in lots of uh, physicians and scientists who love his work, but maybe have not been exposed to plant based nutrition yet. And then that's,
3: that's exciting. Because I think sometimes we think, okay, we love our doctors, but we kind of see the same ones over and over again, and the idea that we really are. I mean, when Dr. Kim Williams came on board, and he may have been plant-based for decades, it's just I don't think the general public heard about him until he became president of the American College of Cardiology, and then it's like, yay, we've got one more.
4: Right, exactly. Yeah, our team has grown. So hopefully this conference will help grow the team a little bit.
3: I I'll bet it will. I'm I'm really, really grateful um, that I live in New York City and that I get to come to it. But honestly, guys, like I say, I'm coming back early from London. So if you are in Boston or Philadelphia or somewhere not that far away, you know, make it a day trip. Come to New York and... uh,
2: you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world that's easier than ever with mobile giving just text unity radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives what if you could experience vibrant health help heal the planet
1: Unity is supporting our friends who are dealing with the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey. Unity of Houston has offered to be a clearinghouse for donations that it will use to help others in the area. Or you could give to the Red Cross or other agencies, or just Google Harvey how to help. But the most powerful thing you can do is to pray. Call Silent Unity 24-7 at 1-800-NOW-PRAY or go online to unity.org. We are all one. And we will get through this together.
2: You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at Main Vegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan.
3: Welcome back to the Main Street Vegan show. It's always such a pleasure to know that you are spending some time with us. I just want to call your attention to the blog at MainStreetVegan.net. It's an interesting post, um, and I'll say that even if I did write it myself. It's called the Histamine Connection. I have this passion about being sure that vegans feel just as well as they possibly can. And I know that we have all these fabulous doctors like Dr. Osfeld that we just talked to who were looking out for our real serious health and keeping us alive and going well. But, you know, sometimes you run into people who say, oh, I just don't feel so well and I just feel cold all the time or I'm itchy or I get eczema or I get allergies or every time I drink red wine, I have this terrible headache. And you know what? I was relating to more of that stuff than I wanted to admit to, and I ran into this research that some people are kind of sensitive to histamine, which is something that our immune systems um, produce. But I have found that since tweaking my diet a bit, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. I'm so happy I did that. So I'm not a physician. I'm not telling you what to eat. But I do share my experience on the blog this week. So if you want to take a visit to uh, MainStreetVegan.net slash blog and check out the Histamin Connection, I'm happy to share with you my experience and what I've learned. And I'm also happy, in fact, super happy, to be introducing or reintroducing uh, those of you who know him to our next guest, professional wrestling superstar, Austin Aries. Over the course of his decorated career, he's become known worldwide for his athletic skills in the ring and his verbal skills on the mic. So, oh my goodness, he's got multiple championship titles like the Ring of Honor in Wrestling, TNA World Heavyweight, World Tag Team, Six-Time X-Division. Champion. Um, he joined World Wrestling Entertainment in early 2016 and established himself as a wrestler and a color commentator. And in July of this year, Aries and WWE mutually agreed to part ways, allowing Austin to focus on that passion that he shares with us, just in case we're not all necessarily pro wrestling fans, and that is his plant based. Lifestyle Advocacy and his brand new book, a memoir, but kind of a how to memoir, too. We're going to find out all about that, and it is called *Food Fight. Welcome, Austin Aries.
5: Hello, Victoria. Thank you so much. It's great to be back with you.
3: It is wonderful. It was so much fun to have you on before. You got so many good responses. And a while back, I was walking up on the Upper West Side. I had just left Candle Cafe West, and this lovely young couple walked by, and the guy had on this great big Austin Aries T-shirt. Uh-huh. And it was like, I know him. So Very cool. Yeah, it really is very cool. So now you are an author. Where did that come from? And tell us all about it.
5: Uh, well, uh. uh Friend of mine, Josh Elders, who I was working with a few years back, um, he had brought the idea of uh, you know doing a book with a friend of his, Mike Tully, who had co-authored uh, Jason Ellis's book, who is a uh, host for Sirius XM, like the Jason Ellis Show, and basically put us in contact. And you know, my, my thinking was over the years now, uh, seventeen years since I became a vegetarian and kind of started this journey, that's led me to uh, to where I am today. Uh, I've encountered a lot of the same questions, right, like, a lot of the same curiosities uh, that I'm sure we all have. And uh, so for my fans and, and my friends and family, I thought it was an opportunity to kind of tell my story and uh, and maybe help plant some seeds uh, that were, like, planted for me uh, to help, you know, other people maybe follow in my footsteps and adapt more of a plant-based diet.
3: Well, I'm, I'm so happy that you've done this, and I can hardly wait to read the book. Is it actually out?
5: It is out, and, yeah, I'll make sure you get a copy. It's been out for, oh, about a month and a half, two months now. Okay. And uh, the exciting part now is with my schedule, uh, you know, opening up, um, you know, the WWE schedule is very demanding. Uh, You know, it can be on the road six days a week. Um, And, and, you know, obviously you get to travel the globe, and and you get to meet uh, tons of people and tons of fans, and it was a great opportunity. Uh, But now with my schedule opening up, it's going to allow me to really get out there uh, on my own and get this book in people's hands uh, and really take a really hands-on approach with getting my message out there uh, to to my base.
3: Wow, that is exciting. Well, we should compare calendars. If you're ever going to be in this area when we're doing a Main Street Vegan Academy, we always try to get one fabulous celebrity speaker. So uh, it would be very cool if that could be you. Absolutely. So Great. So the book is a memoir. So tell us a little bit about... Where does a guy start who's going to end up as a vegan pro wrestler?
5: Right. Uh, well, well, for me, uh, of all places, it was Waukesha, Wisconsin. Uh, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm just a normal Midwest uh, Midwest kid. You know, I grew up eating cheese and brats, and, uh, you know, I talk about the sports teams. you got the, the brewers who have the sausage race at the seventh inning stretch. You've got Green Bay Packers who wear cheese on their head. Uh, you know, and then you have the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, you know, whose mascots, the deer, which every year I had the uh, the pleasure, uh, I say sarcastically, of, of living through deer hunting season. Uh, so I, I grew up in an environment where that was very much a way of life, and I grew up a, a very typical upbringing when it came to thought uh, process and diet and eating. And, and of course, around that time, uh, fast food becoming a thing, the microwave becoming a staple in the household. Um, So, but this book just kind of chronicles how I start from there and then through my travels, really before kind of finding myself, before I stumbled into pro wrestling, how these things planted some seeds and even going back into childhood, all these little seeds that were planted, that at a certain point when I started connecting the dots and and I refused to put my head back in the sand, uh, I had some choices I needed to make. And, And for me, they weren't very difficult when I really thought about it and, uh, so it just really chronicles the whole the whole process of giving up meat in in 2000 all the way up to uh, about five years ago now going completely plant based and um, and then also how those how those choices intertwined with my wrestling career and the successes I had along the way with that and how in a lot of ways those things kind of went hand in hand.
3: Well, 2000 and 2012 are kind of your start dates in in the veg world. So you went vegetarian in 2000. What prompted that?
5: I, you know, it's just, uh, I don't want to give too much of the book away, of course. but
3: uh, <laughs> by the book, by the book.
5: Yeah, right. No, but uh, so, I, so I think it was just, uh, honestly, I was making chicken breasts one day, and I just looked at it and said, this is disgusting. I think I'm done. And this was after already some seeds have been planted about maybe meat not being good for you or red meat and pork not being good for you, and then me taking that, simple you know simple statement and and thinking about it and question it because i never you know thought about things in food in those terms i think for a lot of people you you think about food as do i like the way it tastes uh how expensive is it and how fast can i get it and and that was really how i based my food choices growing up and i think a lot of people do and when i started thinking about uh you know is it good for me how much nutrition am i getting from my dollar and where did it come from uh then that changes the whole outlook on food and Mm -hmm. so so that kind of became the initial step, was I just, at its core, the idea of eating another living creature isn't appealing to me. When you want to layer on the fact it's not very good for me or for the environment, uh, it really kind of made it an easy choice. But it, what it really did more than anything is now I was taking accountability of my food choices. I decided that my diet uh, was a high priority, which means I was willing to spend more resources, my time, my money, my energy to learn about it. And the things I started to learn about the corporate food system – the foods that we're being told and marketed to eat for various reasons, Uh, the foods that are being marketed to kids, the most easy and and, and available foods being some of the worst things for us, uh, it it really kind of started to make me angry. And I thought it's important that people understand these things so that they can all make informed decisions on what they want to put in their body and understand the effects that these things do have.
3: Mm, For sure. And then what took you to vegan in 2012?
5: Uh, you know te- teeter tottering for a while on things like eggs and you know again the the protein myth especially in my in my genre uh, of needing to look a certain way and keeping on size um, you know this idea that you need well you're gonna need some you know, at least eggs for protein or you know yogurt cottage cheese you, you can buy into those things and uh, and then honestly I, I watched forks over knives and, and it was compelling enough for me uh, the next day to just switch out my whey protein to plant-based protein powders which at the time there weren't very many, and they weren't quite as good as they are today. When you got ones like Vegan Smart, and uh, that, that that really are delicious and, and are no different than your normal whey protein, uh, and then just got rid of the cheese, and uh, and then I've been completely plant based uh, ever since.
3: So, what happened to you physically? Did you lose any of that size that you needed for your work?
5: I've always kind of fluctuated uh, with, within like a ten pound range, uh, and I'm not a very big person. You know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm five foot eight. Uh, and, I can, and I can, you know, I can tip around 200 pounds, give or take, depending on, uh, on season, uh, you know. But I did lean out, I will say that, um, in a good way, I thought. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know that mo- I noticed a huge difference uh, from the moment I got rid of the dairy because, honestly, at the time I wasn't consuming a lot of it as it was outside of maybe the, the, the protein shakes. Which and I and a lot more of my colleagues now are switching out to plant-based protein, especially the protein powders, because they find that way bloats them. Uh, which of course it would because it's made it's you know not made for you, it's made for cows. Mm-hmm. So you know I would imagine maybe it would upset your stomach a little bit, but uh, but yeah, uh, I, I didn't notice a huge difference uh, as far as losing size uh, or anything like that. Um, performance, I, I think you know if anything things got better, surely didn't get worse
3: we just talked with Dr. Osfeld about his fellow physicians. And, you know, some agree, some disagree. And I'm just wondering how it was for you with your fellow wrestlers. I mean, I know when we watch wrestling on TV, it seems Mm -hmm. like people are kind of pitted against one another. And, you know, there's a good guy and a bad guy. But backstage and in real life, what was your colleague's response to your diet and your ethics? Um.
5: Listen. You're always going to have you're always going to have the guys who are going to crack the jokes um, in, in any profession or any in any you, you know, group of friends. Um, but but overall, uh, I would say mostly it was just inquisitiveness. You know, asking questions—the normal ones that we ask. Well, where do you get your protein? Why, obviously. Why 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 are you doing this? Um, but I think too, you know, in this industry, everyone's also, also always looking for a competitive advantage. So if if they see something's working for somebody, um, then they're going to want they're going to want to ask questions that way. And I think that's why you're seeing more and more athletes and entertainers adopting this lifestyle because, frankly, it works. Like, and that's why and that's why really my message isn't about you know go vegan today and and this you know my whole thing is anybody can adopt more of a plant based lifestyle. You don't have to you don't have to wear a, a label that has stigmas attached to it. Anybody can make a decision moving forward, I'm going to adopt more of a plant-based lifestyle and all the evidence would suggest that the more you do that the healthier it's going to be for you, for the planet, for the animals. And what I found is that if you get people to just kind of dip their toe in the water a little bit and check it out, they start seeing results, they do feel better, they feel better about the decisions and pretty soon before you know it they're all the way in. You know, but you let them you let them do it and so just be inclusive and Anybody can be more plant-based. That, that can include everybody without having yeah. to make a drastic overnight decision.
3: And you brought up, I think, something that's so important. This is something I hear from Bruce Friedwick at the Good Food Institute, and they're working on the um, plant-based meats and, and the lab-grown meats, mm-hmm. that it's this thing of taste, cost, and convenience. And I think sometimes those of us who are more philosophically minded and we're thinking, but of course people care about animals and they care about the fate of the planet. And yet when it really comes down to it, taste cost, and convenience come first. And if we can get people to understand that this can be delicious, affordable and easy, then I think we've got them.
5: Yeah. Because there's really no arguments left. Yeah, at that at that point, right? I mean, let's be honest, and that's why, that's why I like. And I, and going back to your previous question, I, I would always be more than happy to share a, a taste or a bite or whatever I had. You know, I would come to my catering, or we'd be on the road, and I'd pull up my my meal or what I or order the food I would order. And as people would kind of look, oh, what's that? You know, falafel, like you, know, whatever, the, whatever it might be, or you know, I would bring some some you know uh, alternate meat product or something like that. I'd always want to try it. Hey, try some because I like oh, that's really good. Exactly, you know. Like I'm not just eating brown rice and, and carrots all day, which is nothing wrong with. Both of those things can be good for you. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it, it's come a long way, and there's a lot and, and there's a lot of delicious food. And um, you know, my mother said something once uh, along the cost point that I thought made a lot of sense when when people say it's expensive. Um, and I always say, well, it is expensive, but f- for me, food is one of the things that I'm, I'm willing to spend more money on because I think it's one of the most important things that I do, as opposed to the car I drive or the clothes I wear or, or my, you know, my, my latest iPhone or whatever it may may be. Uh, that my food is a priority, and, and I like nice food. You know, some people like nice clothes or nice shoes. All I right. like nice food, um, but you know, in, in a person's monthly budget, the food cost isn't fixed. Your rent's fixed. You know, your, your insurance is fixed. Your cell phone's pretty much fixed. The food thing is kind of what I have left over for a lot of people to spend on. And that's why it is so important that it's cost effective. And that is where they do pinch pennies, not because it's not important, but because it's the one thing that they actually have some control over the budget at the end of the month. And for people who are on tight budget, that can be an issue.
3: It, it is such an issue. I mean, I okay. now I've noticed articles saying that since Amazon took over Whole Foods, there are lines outside because the prices have gone down. And sure. a- as an author, you know, I'm not the world's biggest. Fan of Amazon <laughs> oh, what <laughs> has happened to the book business in, in the past sure. 15 years is is pretty sad and and yet there is something to be said for making good food available to everybody' It's, it's really a, a human right
5: yeah, yeah and, and I think also you know going hand in hand the argument I've always made is it's not necessarily expensive to eat healthy, it's expensive to eat conveniently, and it's really, really expensive to eat healthy and conveniently. You know, um, because I say you always have to pay with one of your resources. If you don't want to pay with your time, you have to pay with your money. And, you know, maybe maybe, you know, at some point we'll start. We'll start making time for things like making food again, as opposed to that being something that we let somebody else do for us. And then we basically uh, don't have control of that. And it does cost us more money in, 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 the, in the long run. And we're getting less for our money.
3: Well, that is so important, and I think it's so easy to just kind of get out of of the kitchen, and and I think once you're out, you feel a little bit intimidated by sure. going in, and yet right. it's really fun. It can be, <laughs> yeah, and I talk about
5: it in my book. I said, you know, for all the time that they spent uh, on teaching me pi, three point one, and see, I can't even remember. All the decimals past that one, 3.149 something, something, something that I never, ever used again. I wish they would have spent more time teaching me about apple pie <laughs> and, and how to make it or if it's good for me, if it's bad for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, You know, we need to, and again, and this goes into the thing of, well, is there a reason that, you know, the foods that we have readily available make us sick? Is there a reason we don't educate people on the importance of food? Is there a reason our doctors do not spend any time you know proportionate to the importance on food education during their studies to be a doctor why, why is that why, why are we not making this a priority because if the next generation of kids learn that food is important and what they put in their body is important and learn the skills and the joy of being in the kitchen and cooking uh you know that would be the start of changing the culture and, and changing the thought process when it comes to food
3: it would, indeed. So, Austin, if we were going to come to one of your presentations, what would the gist of it be? What What are you most passionate about?
5: I really just think it's about really just, you know, an overall understanding of food and the importance of it, uh, the understanding that ultimately health is in our hands. Uh, you know, one of the things with my profession is, I've traveled all over the country, and a lot of my fans are kids, you know. And what I've noticed more and more is that when I go around shaking hands and signing autographs and taking pictures, that I'm seeing lots of 8-, 9-, and 10-year-old kids who are on their way to leading a life of sickness, whether it's diabetes, um, ADD, HD, cancer at some point, whatever it may be. And it's not because of decisions they're making, but it's because of the food they're eating and decisions that are being made for them. And, and so I just think that an overall under, just an overall food advocacy so that we take control over the things that we're putting in our body and understand the importance of it. And that every time we eat, we're, we're feeding or we're fighting disease. And that choice is ours.
3: Mm, so important. So what do you think? I mean, we've got it that animal foods are bad on a whole lot of levels. But what are some of the other things out there? Are you a proponent of organic or are you uh, in opposed to gmos what do you feel about sugar what other kinds of food issues come up so
5: i mean the cool thing about this is what is once you've decided that this is important the information's always changing and you're always uh, it's fluid but um, i you know i look out for things like fake colors red number 40 and there's enough evidence out there that would suggest that um that's not adding any, any benefit, and, and to the contrary, it could be detrimental to our health. Uh, and it's not necessary. Fake sugars like sucralose, Splenda, things like that. I just I I refrain from. Um, I'm mindful of my of my sugar and my sweeteners. I like to use maple sugar, you know, or maple maple syrup as a sweetener, things like that. I'm mindful of my sugar, but if I'm gonna if I'm gonna consume it, I'd rather consume the natural form of it than some chemical that's made in the lab. That's just me. Uh, BHT, things that we use as preservatives, and, and a lot of cereals, so it can sit on shelves for months. That studies would suggest, uh, you know, complicate things neurologically. we were talking about ADHD, ADHD, anxiety, things like that. Um, and, and again, not something that necessarily needs to be put in food that we use that we use in this country that maybe other countries have outlawed or banned. You know, same same with red number forty. So it, it so the journey of of becoming vegetarian. Just really, I owned I owned my decision when it came to eating, and it made me learn. And the more I kept learning, the more I kept kind of, again, I, I was in a little bit of disbelief when I realized, like, what our food system is.
3: Food or non-food. <laughs> or
5: non-food. Food-like That's, products. Yeah. The imitation foodstuffs. Yeah, but but it's, the fact it's, that you know, uh, you know, like you wouldn't realize that they put whey in things you would never think whey is in because it's this filler that they need to get rid of. They've convinced us it's that we need it, but it's in like potato chips, uh, not flavored potato chips, just plain old potato chips, and your last ingredients, whey or breads, again a filler which makes it look like there's more protein, and well, we need protein for muscles, so you know, well, that's debatable how much protein we need, especially if you're not, uh, you know, if you're just an everyday Joe or Jane. But uh, so all these things and you start peeling layers back and you go, geez, well, it's because corporations control our food system and they don't, they'll only be holding to shareholders, not for the well-being of the people.
3: Mm. And I think some of that is about getting back into the kitchen. You know, I think about bread. I didn't. Well, I, I do know of one brand for sure that I've known for years had way in it. I've always avoided it. I need to probably be reading all the labels more carefully now, but I also know that the biggest source of sodium in the American diet is bread. But whenever I have made bread, which I must admit has not been all that recently, but I think for the whole loaf, it had like a teaspoon or a half teaspoon of salt. I mean, it was not very much at all. But then you think about how how much is is in it commercially.
5: Right, right. Well, because... We're, we're predispositioned to seek out salt sugars and fats and in a competitive market if you're trying to get your share a little more salt might make you pick their brand over the one that you're sitting next to and that's yeah. and that's you know and but as you said when you bring it back to your kitchen you control it and and taste buds you know taste buds adapt you know really quickly and a lot of things that i grew up consuming if i were to try to you know drink now a mountain doer things like that um it, it wouldn't be pleasant. You know, my taste buds have adapted now uh, to to a different t- style of eating.
3: Yeah, it's really interesting. Every now and then, you know, I'll see some kind of thing like that, and if it happens to be vegan, and I remember it from my childhood, I'll have some and think it's going to take me down memory lane, sure. but instead <laughs> it's like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> hey.
2: yeah.
3: oh boy, it, it it does change, and thank goodness for that. So I want to ask you about something else, Austin, that I'll bet a lot of people are curious about. And this is what one does when one stops being a professional athlete. And we've had a lot of people on the show like that. We had uh, Cam Awesome, the boxer, who's now more motivational speaker. We had David yeah. Carter, who left the NFL, and Georges Larock, who left the NHL. Yeah. And yeah. they're living these wonderful lives. But I think to those of us who've never been that, you know, much of a focus of fandom. What happens when you leave? I mean, it seems to lay people, it's just like, how sad is that? Yeah,
5: I mean, I guess it's different for everybody, right? Um, You know, there's some people who, and I I thought very much when I started, you know, when I had the opportunity to get into the professional wrestling business, uh, seeing it was such a passion of mine as a kid growing up, that um, I, I always thought of myself as maybe being a lifer, you know, like yeah, I'd probably do this the rest of my life, transition from doing in-the-ring stuff to then another role, whether it's commentary or behind the scenes, you know. Um, but but as I've gotten older and, and as I've kind of done the things and, and really things that maybe I never even thought I would do in the industry, and, I, and I've come to a point now where, uh, you know, I'm in the twilight of probably my in-ring career at this point. I need to start thinking about, the uh the what's next and uh you know luckily for me um you know the plant-based lifestyle that i lead now is really is a new passion of mine and like like a lot of the gentlemen that you mentioned uh being able to use that platform and that fan base that you have from from maybe the first thing you love to do and to be able to use that to now um build in this new area and and almost um you know i would love to bring a lot of my fan base and educate them and I, and Every time I get a tweet from a fan saying, "Hey, I read your book, and I'm two weeks, you know, I'm two weeks plant based," or wow. you know, I, you know, things like that, like that's what we can do. At least that's that's what I'm looking at. That's what I want to do. Yeah. You know, now at this point, um, you know, being, I, I said, you know, I'm in the entertainment business, and it's uh, it's a privilege to be able to go out there, and I've made a living going out there and helping people escape reality and escape their problems for three hours. Uh, and watch a show and no matter what's going on in their life they can just kind of escape it and they can just have have a a fun night of entertainment and escape their problems and and that's what entertainment does and that's great but i'm at a point now where i'm trying to think of how can i help maybe start to fix some of the problems how can i offer solutions to some of these issues that i'm seeing firsthand that a lot of my fans are dealing with that are directly related to what they eat and what they put in their bodies And, and if i can do that that's that's even more rewarding than what i've done to this
3: point that is exciting and you know i hadn't thought about this until uh, just what you said but the last time i took my dog to be groomed i was waiting for the dog and the young man behind the desk was watching some pro wrestling videos and i asked if he knew of you and he said like without a break he said oh yeah he's vegetarian
5: and, you know,
3: that's just a cool piece of information to be in somebody's psyche. And I said, well, actually, he's vegan.
5: Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you for correcting him.
3: But, yeah, it, yeah. it, it does make a difference. It, it can. Listen, we all, it,
5: I remember, and so I still think of myself as just kind of a normal Joe, right? Like, I'm just, I'm just a dude, you know? Uh, I think most people who grew up with me uh, have, you know, say I'm kind of the same guy I was that I am now. Um, but I do realize that to a lot of people out there, uh, I'm maybe a source of inspiration or someone that can help inspire them or be a role model or plant a seed that could change their life. And, and you have to always keep that in mind. And if you have a voice and you have a platform, you have something you believe in, then you should use that uh, to, to help make other people's lives better.
3: Well, and I can just tell that you do that. I mean, I've never met you in person, but just from having talked to you twice now, I just think you are just one of the greatest people. You have this wonderful, wonderful energy. Now, when you were talking about, you know, the, uh, your your new life and all, something kind of popped into my head, and I, this just may be me. Do you have any thoughts of coming up with a food product or anything of that line? You know
5: i've got I've got short term goals I've got long term goals I've got really lofty at in the sky goals um, uh, and and right now you know the exciting thing is is um, you know coming off my experience with wWE um, you know kind of having having a lot of options available so you know whether it's podcast or, or radio realm uh, you know such as as, as you do or eventually my own type of establishment or or food line product but those are things that i've all thought about and uh you know i think it's just um progression and trying to take thing one thing that one thing at a time as i say you gotta you gotta fill one or two egg uh baskets full of uh you know vegan eggs before you move <laughs> on to the the next basket so
3: well you know you've already got action figures you know why not a power yeah. bar <laughs> Yeah, you know, I was maybe
5: thinking like my own spice line, right? Like Austin Aries, you know, spice blend, because really, if you really think about it, I'm, I'm a huge like spices and sauces. That's where it's at. I mean, I mean, come on, people, if you like the way meat tastes, you just boil it in some water and eat it. You wouldn't put all the stuff on it. So just put stuff on, you know, other stuff, not animal no, it- stuff. That's a great
3: idea, and spices are so good for people. I mean, this whole antioxidant, um, you know, polyphenol spice thing that we just learned about in the past few years, I mean, these are really superfoods. And I think that's the challenge, when somebody wants to come up with a food line and keep it plant-exclusive and keep it really healthy, that when you try to make something that's going to last on a shelf, you know, it's easy to compromise, but with spices yeah. and sauces, you could just be pure as the driven snow. And uh,
5: <laughs> Sure. And plus, if I come up with a couple of really good blends, I would be able to greatly reduce my my uh, cabinet here, which is completely overfull with all sorts of spices. <laughs> so I just need about six or seven good ones that replace this, you know, cabinet full here.
3: Yeah, and uh, you could have some, some great kind of, uh, you could call them wrestling names.
5: I like it. Maybe off. Maybe off the air. We'll we'll talk a little more. Maybe we'll maybe we'll collab and come up with something good here.
3: Wouldn't that be fun? I think that um, spending an afternoon in a kitchen with you would just be a delightful few hours.
5: I, I feel the same. I, I we should we should set it up and do it
3: ah, next time I get out well, to New York. Please do so. Are you in Florida?
5: I am. I just. Uh, I just got some essentials. Where uh, we're Orla- I'm in Orlando right now, I do have a spot okay. in, in Clearwater uh, that's empty at the point. Uh, I'm, um, it's a, it's a rental, but right now that there's nothing in it, so that's good. And uh, we're just we're in Orlando, and we're just kind of monitoring. Uh, you know, I went and got some 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 nice uh, simple uh, some simple franks here, some plant based franks in a can. I just have some canned goods, and we're all stocked up with the water and.
3: To see oh, what happens. Yes. Well, for anybody listening to the podcast who's saying, what, what, what is this? As we are talking live uh, today in September of 2017, um, there is a hurricane headed uh, for Puerto Rico and Florida. And we just want to send yes. good wishes to everybody there. Lots to deal with in this life. And we need to be well nourished and kind which seems to be what what you are all about so i can't believe we're down to our last 40 seconds do you have a famous last word
5: oh i don't have not not in 40 seconds i (laughs) I have lots of words as you can tell so uh i don't know i can wrap it up in 40 seconds but i do i just really appreciate your time and
0: Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice
1: of an awakening world. This is Reverend Ellen Devonport at Unity Village. Unity is supporting our friends who are dealing with the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey. Unity of Houston has offered to be a clearinghouse for donations that it will use to help others in the area. Or you could give to the Red Cross or other agencies, or just Google Harvey How to Help. But the most powerful thing you can do is to pray. Call Silent Unity 24-7 at 1-800-NOW-PRAY or go online to unity.org. We are all one, and we will get through this together.
0: Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
1: This is Reverend Ellen Devonport at Unity Village. Unity is supporting our friends who are dealing with the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey. Unity of Houston has offered to be a clearinghouse for donations that it will use to help others in the area. Or you could give to the Red Cross or other agencies, or just Google Harvey How to Help. But the most powerful thing you can do is to pray. Call Silent Unity 24-7 at 1-800-NOW-PRAY or go online to unity.org. We are all one, and we will get through this together.
0: Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world